another edition of the First and Orange Broncos podcast. I'm Kyle Fredrickson, as always, joined by Ryan O'Halloran. We cover the Broncos for the Denver Post, and this is a free agency edition of the pod as we enter day two of the legal tampering period where teams can negotiate it with unrestricted free agents. And Ryan, we're sitting here at about 11.20 a.m. This is a fluid situation. Things could happen during the podcast. We'll update our listeners as it happens. But the Broncos made a big splash last night of the tune of $84 million over two contracts, Ryan. Just yeah. off the top, are the Broncos closer to getting to the playoffs with Kareem Jackson and Jawan James? Or do we need really more time to digest and see what happens before we say that? Well, I will make a knee-jerk reaction. But first, I want to take issue. The legal tampering term needs to be abolished. Okay. Because it's, it's like an oxymoron. I mean, it's a negotiating period. <laughs> When I first started covering the league, they didn't have this window. They just said, okay, midnight on this date, people can start signing with players. It's the wild, wild west. It was great. That's <laughs> what they should do now because all these, te- all these teams are reaching these agreements. Get them in the town. Get these contracts signed. Okay, digressing. After the first wave of free agency, you always ask about a team. Did they get better? Um, I think the Broncos did get better at right tackle with Juwan James, a 26-year-old who's an ascending player, I think. He had a, season, a career-low three penalties last year. Kareem Jackson, he is a, he is an upgrade over Bradley Roby, period, even though he's older. So, you know, answer your question two ways. One, they probably addressed two needs where they got better at those two positions, but how that translates to contending in the division um, obviously remains to be seen, but I don't think it makes too big of a dent in in terms of moving them up the standings. So let's just take a a few minutes here, Ryan, to look at both of these guys closer. We'll start with Jackson because he was the first player uh, the Broncos uh, agreed to a new contract with three years, 33 million, uh, 23 of that guaranteed. Uh, You mentioned him being an older guy, nine seasons with the Texans, 16 picks, 88 pass deflections. You know, when you're looking at what he brings to this defense, you mentioned it in the story that you wrote for the Denver Post that was in Tuesday's edition and online you can find now at denverpost.com. Here's a guy who can play multiple positions and is a sure tackler. I mean, that's exactly what Vic Fangio needs in this secondary, right? When you look at what Valley Roby could not do, these seem to be things that uh, Kareem Jackson has been very capable of doing. Yeah, he brings a lot to the table. And, you know, the age thing, anytime you're over 30 in this league, it's, you know, it's worth noting. But he's been pretty durable. Uh, he's only missed two games in the last three years. They needed to do something in the secondary. They released Darian Stewart. They're probably not going to bring back Bradley Roby. They're not going to re-sign Tremaine Brock. So they have Chris Harris as your one. Jackson, the concern I have is, okay, can is he is he going to be a 16-game player every snap? Um, are they going to have to manage him a little bit? And also the other thing, where is he going to play? You know, Houston envisioned him as a safety last year. They signed Aaron Colvin in free agency to play corner, but injuries hit and he started 14 games at corner. When they played the Broncos here in uh, November, he was the best player on the field for Houston. He, he, everybody's seen the Phil Lindsay hit, but also, you know, he was around the football a lot and uh, played well in coverage. And I think the, I think Chris Harris should be a, very happy about this for two reasons. One, it doesn't it automatically means he doesn't move into the slot anymore. If if Vic Fangio says, "Hey, I want you on Antonio Brown throughout this game," they have the they have the flexibility to do that now. Second part is Kareem Jackson, if he's labeled a corner, is now the highest corner paid corner on the team. Chris Harris, 
will become the highest paid corner on this team once he gets his extension. So if I'm Harris's camp, the bar has been established at $11 million a year. Um, I, I talked to my cap expert in Tuesday's print edition. He thinks Chris could be in the 13 to 14 uh, per year range. So um, in that respect, I think Jackson will bring some veteran leadership, some toughness and edge. And uh, he'll have a chip on his shoulder because Houston did not want him back. They didn't offer him a contract. So, um, I think I'd be interested to see how they use Jackson, but I think he could be a, a good player for the Broncos. You mentioned that this is a secondary that's kind of getting a rebuild. Bradley Roby's going to be gone. Jermaine Brock's going to be gone. That means the Broncos still need to get some more players in this secondary, and you figure they do it through the draft, Ryan. When you get a guy like Jackson, you already have an, another established cornerback like Chris Harris. Does this push the Broncos back in the draft order a little bit in terms of when they identify that corner that they want? Or with the number 10 pick, if Greedy Williams is sitting there, would the Broncos be dumb to maybe pass him up? Um, I think corners still definitely in play, uh, but they're not. They don't have. They don't have to push it. Just like a quarterback, you know, if Dwayne Haskins somehow is there at ten, then that's going to make you think. Yeah. Um, I think all three of the top corners, Greedy Williams, Byron Murphy, DeAndre Baker, will be there at ten. I think they still need to draft a corner in the first three rounds because, as Vic Fangio said, the combine you can never have enough. You know, this is a nickel defense league right now where you need three corners. Okay, probably need four with attrition. So, if you can get a, a, a plug and play corner, and okay, that gives you three plus Isaac Yadam, who showed a little bit of a spark last year in limited duty. So, okay, now you have four. My question after one day of free agency is, what's their plan at safety besides Justin Simmons? Uh, Will Parks was their dime guy last year. He made some plays, but is he is he a box guy? I don't think so. He's more of a sub package guy. Ideally, they, I think they want to play Justin Justin Simmons as a free safety. So, is that guy in the draft? Is it in bargain shopping free agency? They need I think a box safety right now is something they need to address. For sure, Ryan. And let's move ahead uh, looking at the second player that the Broncos agreed to a contract with uh, through this early negotiating period in free agency. Uh, Former Dolphins right tackle Juwan James, uh, you mentioned it. Uh, He's a guy who got a four-year contract, 51 million, 32 of that guaranteed, uh, becomes the highest paid right tackle in the league, which is pretty fascinating, Ryan. If you checked out Mark Kisla's Twitter feed uh, this morning, he was not so happy. Or maybe not happy is the word. He thought that this was a poor move by the Broncos in terms of what they were giving up for a guy who's been a solid player, but not a pro bowler, not a you know perennial offensive tackle necessarily in this league. But now he's getting paid like one, and, and the Broncos are willing to do that. First, do you side with Kiz a little bit on that? And second, just kind of give us what you figure this is going to mean for the Broncos moving forward. I do, I, I do see Mark's point in terms of you could have drafted a right tackle for... 10% of the cost um, and and then you know allocate that money elsewhere you know the Broncos a lot of times in free agency teams pay for past performance with Juwan James the Broncos are paying for future performance they think he's an ascending player coming off his rookie deal they think he can bring stability to a position at right tackle that's been a turnstile uh, the reason they could do this is they have Garrett Bowles at left tackle still on his rookie deal uh, so it's very affordable for a guy who plays every snap you know Mike Munchak now has to figure out center and right guard. They're, they say they're bringing Ron Leary back at left guard. I don't agree with that decision. Uh, you have a bunch of guys under contract. If Matt Paradis comes back at center, I would not bring him back 
unless it was a one-year prove-it deal uh, because I don't care whether he says he's ahead of schedule. He's got two hip surgeries and a broken leg on his dossier. That's big stuff. And the fact he's still in the market 26 hours later shows teams agree with me. Uh, this is an interior offensive line class in the draft where you should be able to find a guy or two in day two and day three. So the uh, I think they felt like building this line from the outside in was the best way. So pay for a right tackle instead of going crazy on a guard. When you look across the league and, and kind of see the mega contracts, the, the guys who got paid the most money, Landon Collins uh, going from New York to Washington as, as a big example, what do you make of sort of the, the money that's being spent league-wide and, and any trends that you spot? It seems like uh, teams typically overspend early in this period to get the players they want, to get those high-profile prospects. Has anything changed? Do, is this just inflation as we, we see these numbers rise? And the cap goes up by about $10 million a year, so it's it's a player's market in that respect. The safety market exploded more than I think anybody thought. Um, you know, the, the consensus was there are so many good safeties out there that will bring the prices down a little bit. Well, in fact, the opposite happened. They felt they needed to get safety so much to get up to eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen million dollars a year. I think that was too rich for what the Broncos wanted to do, and so that was one. Landon Collins, the Redskins want to be the champions of March. It was the same way when I covered them. They always want to make the big splash. They want to steal from a division rival. So the fact. That that he went to Redskins wasn't surprising because you heard them link together what the money was. The interesting contract for me is Nick Foles to Jaguars, four years, $88 million, $50 million guaranteed. That's a club record. They're bidding against themselves. Um, uh, the term was shocking. The money was shocking. I thought at max they would push it to three years. But by all counts, there wasn't anybody else out there who had room for Nick Foles. So that was a puzzling decision uh, by the Jags for a guy who hasn't started a lot of games in this league. So the other trend is tight ends are getting a lot more money now, and it doesn't matter if you can catch. Uh, the going rate for these tight ends today, this week has been $6 million a year, and teams were so desperate for tight end help, they decided to do it now instead of waiting for a draft where it's probably the best tight end class in a decade. Teams may be saying, we're going to sign one guy, and we're going to draft one guy. We're going to have two tight ends. We're going to run it. We're going to have some max protection and we're going to create matchups with our tight ends on the perimeter. So those are three things that jumped out. The money is always going to be head-scratching until you look at, okay, what's guaranteed? What's in the first two years, et cetera? So um, overall, Oakland, I thought, did well. I'm not a fan of the Trent Brown signing. I am a fan of the Antonio Brown trade. I am a fan of LaMarcus Joyner to play free safety. I thought the Chiefs did what they had to do with Teron Matthew. I think he's going to be awesome in Steve Spagnuolo's defense. And he's going to be a problem for the Broncos twice a year. So uh, that's my; you know, those are my you know, initial reactions uh, off the first day. And let's end it on this, Ryan. We mentioned earlier how fluid uh, this period is and how much can change. And you know, as the the minutes tick by in this podcast, thankfully everything we've said now is still relevant. But uh, you mentioned in the paper that the Broncos are probably done making big splashes. I mean, eighty four million over two contracts. You don't think they're going to go out and get Le'Veon? or some of these other you know high-named guys and spend all that money, but who is left on the wish list for this team? Are there some kind of mid-level, second-day guys that, that are going to kind of creep into the conversation, maybe at wide receiver, maybe at inside linebacker? I mean, what, what do you make of, of who might be left? Well, the Broncos will say they made three big splashes because Flacco counts for 18 and a half. So, you know, three guys at that salary, you, you've been pretty active. Now it's... Uh, 
you know, receiver. Golden Tate's still out there, but he's probably, how much does the Broncos want to pay for him? Tight end class has been decimated. The safety class is dwindling. Um, you know, you look at some interior offensive line, you know, A.J. Camp from the Jaguars, the right guard. I don't know how much of a fit he is for what he may command financially, but I think right now you're going to be looking for guys that can play special teams and, you know, fill as much of those holes as you can so you can go into the draft saying, hey, we have some needs, but also they're comfortable doing best player available. So all these deals going to become official Wednesday afternoon, so we'll get a little more clarity on who's going to be where, who's going to be left with the Broncos. Uh, mentioned it earlier, Matt Paradis, uh, Brandon Marshall has still yet to find a home. Um, a lot to be said about what's going on, so stick with our coverage. Uh, we're expecting to be down in Dove Valley on Thursday or Friday uh, to get introduced uh, to some of these new players. Uh, pending a crazy snowstorm that may uh, roll into the area tomorrow. Uh, But we'll keep you guys updated. And on that note, I'll sign off for Ryan. We appreciate all of his analysis as we head into a very wonky and and often confusing free agency period. Uh, So we appreciate that insight. You can always follow our coverage online at denverpost.com. Be sure to subscribe. You can get the newspaper delivered to your front door every single day. And we will see you next time.